I would like to pose a question to you. Have you uh, ever felt left out? Just think about that a little bit. Maybe a memory of when you were on a, as a kid on a basketball court or trying to play a pickup game and they go through the process of picking and maybe you didn't get picked. And maybe you've had a situation where uh, you've applied for something and they didn't select you. I think that we all would probably say that we felt from time to time left out. And maybe even we've tried to be a part of a group and they just didn't want to have anything to do with us. And you felt a certain way. And it hit your heart. And I would even venture there's things that when we're posting, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram, and I'm going to miss some of them because I don't know all of them, uh, that, you've let, that you've put some things on, but you left some things out. Anybody ever did that? There are some things that you wanted folks to know about you, but there were some things you didn't want them to know. And so we can even leave things out about our own selves. But I want you to know and I wanted to encourage you today that God has a message for us. That if we call upon the name of Jesus Christ, if we come to him who is truly the way, the truth, and the life, you will never be left out. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 11 and 12. I believe the writer, and we believe it to be Paul, is trying to give us a divine message today and remind us of this very point that you are not left out. No matter what it looks like, no matter the trials or tribulations, God's plans are steadfast and sure. So in Hebrews 13, chapter, verse 11 and 12, it says this. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Well, let me take a moment to just kind of unpack this a little bit because I, I, I just gave you a passage of Scripture that has beast and it has blood in it and it has a sense of sin and in the sanctuary and it can be a little confusing. But God doesn't want, he's not the author of confusion. He wants to clear things up. He wants to give us his truth that we can understand exactly his plans and his purposes. And so as we take a moment to look at this, it's important um, that we have some background understanding here. So according to the New Testament, Jesus was crucified at a spot outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha. And so they took Jesus outside of the Temple Jerusalem area. And this place called Golgotha is an aromatic term, which means the place of the skull. The Latin word for the skull is cavaria. And in our English uh, understanding of it, we would call that he, he was crucified on Calvary. But it's this place that they took him outside the city. Golgotha would have to have been located outside the city in accordance 
with the Roman and Jewish customs of that time. And I want to just take a moment and talk a little bit about that. And so as I, as I unpack this a little bit and got questions, anybody ever went on got questions before? Uh, Bible questions, they give a little excerpt or commentary about this thing that's happening. So let me share that with you. It says this, while at a first glance there doesn't seem to be anything virtually important about how the outside of the camp was used of Israel's, in Israel's law and culture, so the writer of Hebrews brings to our attention an important nuance in the ministry of Jesus Christ. First, the writer reminds readers that the bodies of animals are sacrificed under the law of Moses were taken out of the camp and burned. We see that in Hebrews 13, 11. The writer then explains that Jesus, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside of the city gates. Hebrews 13, 12, what we just read. And so Matthew recounts that after Jesus' injustice on the, of a trial, that he was tried for sin. He was judged. He was taken outside of the city to a place called Golgotha and crucified there. See, we can read a little bit in Mark, the 15th chapter. It gives us this setting of Jesus being crucified in this dark, weary place outside of the city, this holy city, this city of Jerusalem that was called the city of God. They did not crucify Jesus in the city, but they took him out of the city. Mark 15, 20 through 22 says this, and when they had mocked him, in other words, ridiculed him, talked about him, made fun of him. Because maybe Jesus was a little bit different. He was outside of the norm. They did unspeakable things to him. They took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one Simon of Cyrene, who passed by, come out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. So heavy that he was in need of someone assisting and helping to bear his cross. And so I bring your attention back to the first verse that we were talking about in Hebrews 13, 11. When Paul is specifically referring to when he says, burned without the camp. See, that particular phrase there means to be crucified outside or sacrificed outside of the city. And so he would ask the question, why would they do something like that? Why would they go through these steps? And we don't know exactly all of the distance, but we knew that they needed to walk Jesus out of the city. So Paul uses Jesus' physical death to compare with the process used in Exodus. And we also see this kind of 
shown a little bit in the book of Leviticus, when it came to consecrating the priesthood, those that would go into the Holy of Holies, they needed to be purified or cleaned before they would be able to go into that. And so understanding what Paul is doing and, and, and understanding the book of Hebrews being a book that's given us a reflection like a mirror. It's reflecting back to all of those things that were talked about in the Old Testament, about how there was the, a need of the Savior, but Israel kept sinning and turning away from God over and over and over again. And so the book of, book of Hebrews is trying to now show the need for a Savior, show Jesus Christ and his redemptive power. And so the book of Exodus has given us this backdrop. Jesus' execution was performed outside the city walls. John, the 19th chapter, talks about it a little bit. And there's a parallel to how the bodies of animals were sacrificed for sin with how Jesus was sacrificed. And so he's making this parallel, the same thing that they did in the Old Testament, they did in the book of Exodus, they did in Leviticus for the, and, and, and almost to cover sin, we see now Paul making this statement about Jesus being the sacrifice for sin. And so Jesus was taken outside of the city to bear the reproach of all of mankind, to be treated as an unclean criminal, unqualified to remain in the city. See, he's being taken out. See, the city was seen as this, look at the beauty of Jerusalem. Look at the sanctity of this place. That if we are not in the city, then are we truly in relationship with the Lord? So he's begging this question. He's bringing this thing about in our mind and our heart to think about. And so look what Isaiah 53 verse 3 through 5 says. See, Jesus died the death of a criminal outside of the city so that we might all be qualified through his blood to have righteousness and eternal life and to be a part of his coming kingdom. But they did this to Jesus. If they did it to Jesus, do you think they would have done it to us? See, look what Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5 says. It says, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We made him an outcast. We didn't treat him the way he should have been treated. We didn't love him the way he should be loved. He was despised and we esteemed him not. See, it made me think about... When I was a young man, I used to play basketball. I used to get, run outside to get to the basketball court. Anybody ever been there? You just wanted to get outside. 
And we don't do all that nowadays, but when you were young, you didn't want to stay in the house. You wanted to be outside. You wanted to be with your friends. You wanted to enjoy your summer. But we see something here. The Bible says Jesus came to suffer for all of mankind. That he had an intentional plan to not think about what he wanted, but to think about what we needed. And so it goes on to say he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our souls sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. This is Jesus we're talking about. If anybody we could say would have it together, it'd be Jesus. But he was treated like an outcast. Let me talk a little bit more about that. Because there's a thing that's permeating in our society today, and and the uh, Israelites were going through it. There is an article that I was just reading and kind of looking at a little bit, and it's called Guilt, Shame, Fear, Spectrum of Cultures. And so this article talked about how cultures and societies want you to think a certain way, want to shape your mind a certain way, so much so that it's this crying out for, if you aren't with us, you're against us. And that we try to shape the society within our city, so much so that if you're not a part of that norm, if you're not a part of that group, there's a cry to stay out of the city. If you're not going to conform, stay out. The city is trying to control the narrative and the normative to make you think a certain way, to make you act a certain way, to make you talk a certain way. Anyone or anything that is not conformed to the narrative, to the image, is put out of the city. See, it, it, it happened to Jesus. It happened to lepers of that day. They wouldn't even allow lepers to stay in the city. Someone that was sick, that was in need of healing, they would say, get out. Someone that didn't conform to their thoughts, get out. Someone that didn't want to behave the way society and the rest of the world wanted to behave, get out. See, as I was reading this article, I was thinking about this. It said every culture and society in the world has a spectrum of this dynamic. For the Israelites, they kept adding to the Mosaic law. In an effort to control behavior and to give an appearance of godliness. Let's just come to church. Let's just put our suits on. Let's just behave. Let's look the part. Let's talk the talk, but not walk the walk. 
You see, this society, as I was reading this article, it talks about in most societies or cultures, behavior is governed with, the, with a couple of things. Respect for government laws, which we should. Because business, have some business rules and have some social etiquette. That's what the article talked about. According to the emotions they use to control individuals and maintain social order, swaying them into normative obedience and conformity. Does that sound like anything that's happening in our culture? See, as they define this word shame, it means to control by the inculcation or indoctrination of shame that is permeates every fiber of our society. See, shame is this unpleasant self-conscious emotion that's often associated with negative self-evaluation. That we look at ourselves and we're not careful, we start comparing ourselves and we can easily say I'm not this and I'm not that and we so desire that others wouldn't say that about us. And so there's this indoctrination, so much so to the point that nobody wants it to happen to them. It's not, and it's also wrapped up in pride and honor. We want to look a certain way. We want people to see us a certain way. And before you know it, we're starting to just go with the flow, follow the norms of our society. It's also wrapped up in the complementary threat of ostracism. That if I'm not a part of the group, they're going to ostracize me. If I don't do what the group wants to do, if I don't do what the norm says, then I'm going to get socially rejected. And if I don't conform to society's norm, I will be on the outside. And so this fear sets in. This shame can control us and bind us. We never want others to see us in not a good light. Maybe you've been there. See, these cities and these societies that operate off of this, they want to keep the norms of the city. And you are pressed to conform to those norms. But we're reminded in Scripture, it tells us not to conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we are pressed on every side, but not forsaken. It's so important for us to understand and look the right way. So let me share that a little bit. Scripture reminds us that, he, that it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. You know, sheep were some of the most blind and dumbest creatures around. 
They can't see very well. They react and they move to what they hear. See, the Bible reminds us that Jesus said these words. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. It's so important that we hear his voice in the midst of all of the voices that are being trying to shout so loud, trying to overtake his voice, that we hear his voice and we follow him. So Paul said this in Hebrews 13, verse 9 and 10. He's trying to get us an understanding to really understand what's happening. He says this to us. He says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. See, they're intended to, to carry you away so that you just are out of control by their winds. So make sure you're listening properly. Make sure you're understanding. Make sure you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. He goes on to say, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. See, we heard that in our worship this morning. That it's not about what we know. It's about who we know. That because of his grace and mercy towards us, that all we like sheep were gone astray. That we were lost in our trespasses and sins. But because of Christ and his grace and mercy, by faith, through grace, we are saved. And something happened at the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ. I hope everyone here has already made that decision. But if you haven't, listen intently. At the moment you accept Christ, the Bible says you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. And so God wants to give us a new way, a new direction, a new following. In John chapter 8, it talks about when we follow him, when we follow his word, we are his disciples. Say that word disciples mean follower of Christ, not follower of every wind of doctrine. Not follow of the norms of society. That we would literally, like Jesus was taken out of the city, we would be cast out. But not cast down. Look what else he says. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So he's talking about this process. This process of them sacrificing meats, going through the rituals going through these sacrificial programs and calling that righteousness. He goes on to say, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. See, he's talking about what, what they're serving. That they're serving the rituals. They're serving the norms of their society instead of serving the living God. And so the first thing that we see Paul is kind of hinting at here is he's saying it's so important that we be saved, that we come unto salvation. 
that is because of the grace of God that we are established in him. That our heart has been made new. He's also indicating here that the world has been occupied. You see that word occupied in scripture here. Not profited those who have been occupied with them. Has been consumed by this behavior. These normative things. And they're to no profit. There's no gain in it. But he says this, but we have an altar before God because of the sacrifice of Christ. Because of what Christ did. That now we have access to a holy, righteous God. And it's so important that we don't strive to be in the city. But if we're on the outside, it's okay. Because he says something that's going to give us some great joy. But those who serve the tabernacle, whose sacrifice of meats and sacrificial worship as a means of repentance and salvation have no right to eat. Now, maybe we've been there. Maybe we know some folks that their doctrine, that their teaching has told them to do all of these things. Do it a certain way. And if we're not careful, we can start worshiping those things. Whether it's a sacrifice, whether it's a repentance, whether it's a prayer. whether it's going to a certain denomination. The writer is telling us something here. He said, there, they, when we do that and we, and we stand on that, we are not justified before God and can't be. That truly they are the ones who are still on the out. Not you. And so we're encouraged to not look to the city for anything. Don't look to this world. Don't look to this society. Don't look to the norms and the culture for anything that pertains to God and eternal life in him. He says, look to Jesus. He wrote that in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 2. He says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what that means? That means that Jesus is advocating for us. That means that Jesus is petitioning the Father for us. And that means that it is ever-present when we go before God, he sees Jesus. The Lamb's blood that was shed 
that was taken outside, that was saying he's not worthy to be in the city. And he shed his blood for you and I. And so as we continue in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the writer will extend this same point using an analogy of things taken outside and those things that's taken outside of the city to be destroyed, to be burned, to be killed, that are not worthy to be in the city, so they think. In Hebrews 13, verse 13, he says, let us go forth, therefore, and to him without the camp, him that was cast out the city, bearing his reproach. Go to Jesus. He's acquainted with all of our sorrows. He took the stripes. For here we, for here have we no continuing city. Don't make this your home. Don't make this your foundation. This is not a continuing city. But we seek one to come. And how do we, that one come? By him. No other way. But by him. And therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continuously. So maybe you've had a moment, I know I've had a moment or two where I knew in my head what was true, but it was so hard to praise because of the situation that I may have been in. And so the Bible tells us to stir ourselves up. Remember his goodness and his grace and his mercy. When you're having a moment, just let it be a moment. Don't stay there. Remind yourself of who he is, who you are, and the plan and the purpose that he has for you. That his plans and purposes are steadfast and sure. That he will lead you all the way through eternity. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. See, these Roman soldiers didn't give thanks to his name. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. They talked about him. They joked about him being the king of the Jews. But the writer makes a key point here. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But we know. So let our voice, our words, no matter the situation, no matter the trial, give him thanks. Give thanks to his name by no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. This is our sacrifice, saints. While we're here on this earth, while you're here as a child of God, 
is to do good. In the midst of so much wrong. And communicate to one another. To remind each other. Forget not his name. Forget not who he is. Forget not that he was one that was cast out. That was left out. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. See, Jesus was willing to be cast out as part of God's will. And so should Christians be willing to be shunned, to be persecuted, to be cast out for their faith. We are then to go to him who is outside the camp, bearing his reproach. And knowing that we do not have a lasting city here is crumbling. Rather, we are seeking that which is to come, not made with hands. And so I charge you with this. Despise that shame that the world tries to put on us that tries to get us to conform, that tries to keep us quiet, that tries to tell us we're not worthy to be here. See, prior verses reminded us that re to the readers that Jesus willingly endured shame and persecution for the sake of God's will and for the good God intended from those experiences of his trial of life. God intended so much good. Jesus suffered for that good so that we would come to him. Look what he says again in Hebrews 13, 12. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people. Give us access. Allow us to go into the presence of God. To go into the holy of holies. He did it with his own blood. They would take the blood. They would bring it back in. They would use it to purify the priesthood. So they could go into the ritual holy of holies. So they would have access to God. Jesus allowed himself to be cast out the city. His blood to be brought back. To be sprinkled upon us. So that we would have access. To the city of God. He willingly allowed himself to be on the outside of this world's systems so that we would be sanctified from the inside of God's kingdom. So not only Jesus while we're here, but we will suffer persecution 
and endure even the sting of feeling like it's shame on us. We'll be talked about. We'll be ridiculed. We'll be treated unfairly. We'll even lose a few promotions. But we will not be cast out. You can't get rid of us. Have you thought about that? They've been trying to kill Christians for thousands upon thousands of years. God's sustaining power, his hope, his mercy. See, the same was true for many heroes of the faith. Would you look with me in Hebrews 11, verse 35 through 40 as we close today? I want you to know that you're in good company. I want you to understand that God is a sustaining God. See, look what it says. Women receive their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel markings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Y'all know that means a saw, right? Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. That's the one that got me. I'm like, man, I wore wool before, but. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Here's the thing that really just kind of stuck out to me. God is sending a message here. And yes, those that before Christ's death, before his resurrection, before salvation as we understand it, came. There were those that were faithful. And they died. The Bible says they were, it was accounted unto them for righteousness because of their faith. But they didn't get the promise immediately when they died. They had to wait a little bit. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And so I'm a firm believer that at the moment we take our last breath, as the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That we will be in heaven. But I believe there are some things that God is holding back. That in Christ he's holding back. So that when it's all said and done. When it's all been made right. That there is no I pick you first. I pick you second. I pick you last. But all together. 
the saints of God receive the eternal promise. And that we stand together, we've not been left out, that all of us receive the fullness of glory. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Not on their own merit. And not getting their just reward before us. But that we all together are not left out. Are included in God's wonderful eternal blessings. He reminds us that these light afflictions are not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that shall be revealed in us. Jesus despised all that shame because he knew he was doing the Father's will and he had the joy that was set before him. Saints of God, it is vital that we despise the shame of this world, that we have the joy that was set before us, who is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I hope you can see Jesus ever present in your life and know that you are not left out. For we seek a city that is not made with hands. I guarantee you, if you trust the Lord, if you give your heart, your mind, your soul to him, he will in no way leave you out. He loves you so much. He has a divine plan that when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be.